it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, all you spooky listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid period curiosity period TC podcast, where you can find photos related to our cases, including crime scene photos on occasion, of course, with the exception of postmortem photos. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Alright you guys, if you haven't checked Instagram or Facebook group, um, surprise, we're doing the Dybbuk box for our October episode. Um, This is the first one in October, so I wanted to start it off a little spooky, you know, a little paranormal, a little demon-y for you. So get your snacks, go to the bathroom, do what you gotta do, because this one is going to be pretty spooky. Um, if you believe in the paranormal, um, if you're spiritual, religious, I, I kind of advise you to protect yourself a little bit before this episode. Maybe say a little prayer. Um, you know, just in case. Just in case. So yeah. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy the episode and let's get started. I have a feeling some of you are like, Nicole, what the fuck is a Dybbuk, right? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So, it's actually like a Yiddish word um, previously, right? Um, but in Jewish mythology, a Dybbuk is kind of like a lost soul of a, a deceased person. So, instead of that soul going to heaven or hell, the soul kind of is trapped inside of an object and kind of remains there pretty much until someone comes along and just accidentally releases it or releases it on purpose. 
one or the other. Now, the Dybbuk word itself is an ancient Hebrew word meaning to cling or an attachment. Now, the plural version is Dybbukum. Um, in Jewish folklore, pretty much it's a human disembodied spirit, although I do not believe it is human. Um, they say it's because former sins that it, you know, that person had done, um, it was cast into wander, you know, wandering around and like trying to find somebody to live in pretty much is what the belief was. So this was pretty much especially prevalent. The belief was in like the 16th to 17th century in Eastern Europe. Now, often, of course, if people thought they had a divic inside of them or haunting them, they would go to a rabbi. Uh, the rabbi would then do an exorcism and try to expel the divic. So Isaac Loria, uh, this is like 1534 to 1572, was like a mystic and laid the grounds for Jewish belief in a divic with his doctrine of transmigration of souls, which is Gilgal. That's a mouthful. Google, <laughs> which she saw as kind of like a means where souls could continue their task on self-perfection. So his disciples went one step further with a notion of possession by a divic. The Jewish scholar and folklorist S. Ansky contributed to worldwide interest in the divic when his Yiddish drama Der Divic, which is like 1916, was translated into several languages. So he kind of sparked it and then it just kind of done like a domino effect, right? It kind of got more and more interested in the, you know, people got interested in it. It became big. Yeah. Anyway, if you want more info for history or anything like that, feel free to Google it. There was a lot and I didn't want to spend a whole time on history when I have some pretty spooky information that I want to get into. So let's move on. Okay, so I'm going to kind of give you some information. I think this museum is extremely cool. But the Dybbuk box, how many are there? There's thousands. People make them all the time. They try to sell them on eBay, Etsy, whatever. I suggest you never to buy one um, unless you're wanting to, you know, have havoc in your life. Chaos, possibly death, sickness, illness. Um skeptical people you know even if you're skeptical i suggest you not go into it same thing with the ouija boards just because they're there doesn't mean you should use them period <laughs> anyway so there's 10 original divic boxes zach owns two i think one in the museum i'm not really sure where the other one is um only eight of the 10 boxes are owned by somebody i couldn't find a list don't come for me about it. If you find out, let me know. I'll be happy to uh, add it in here. But the whereabouts of the other boxes are kind of currently unknown. So we don't really know who has them or why they have them. Nobody knows. Now, I do kind of want to throw out um, Zach's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. Because I really freaking want to go there. Maybe for my birthday one, dear, one year. Excuse me. One year. <laughs> anyway. So, it's in Las Vegas, it's downtown Las Vegas, um, I think the address is like 600 East Charleston Boulevard, Las Vegas, 
um, zip code 89104. So they offer like tours and experiences there. You know, if it makes any difference, um, they have like the best museum. It's voted 2018 till now. Um, so they have four years in a row of being the best attraction in Vegas. They are no, number one best haunted destination in America, which I think that started in 2020. Um, they do a lot of stuff here. Like you can walk through, you can do like a flashlight ghost tour, that kind of stuff. Um, they have the devil's rocking chair. They have a funeral section with haunted items, the cauldron, Peggy the doll, Jack's van, um, some other stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool. I suggest you go check it out. That's up to you. Um, they're open, I think, Wednesday through Monday, closed Tuesday. And they're open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, general admission, which is like 14 and up, is 48 bucks. Um, senior, military, local people with proof of ID is 42. So it's pretty, like, you know, it's pretty reasonable pricing for what you're getting. Um, I do suggest you protect yourself before you go if you're religious. Um, if you're if you're not religious and you don't really have any protection, good luck. <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you. Um, I would just, you know, carry maybe like some token of protection. Uh, that could be a possibility. Um, yeah, anyway, really cool. I say you go. If you go, please let me know how it is because I really want to go. Um, they are traveler's choice as well from TripAdvisor. I'm going to stop bragging. Anyway, I think it's awesome. Look it up. You can look up Zach Bagans. You can find his Haunted Museum, find all the merchandise, whatever. Anyway, it's not sponsored. No, I just love Ghost Adventures and I just think it's really cool. So, moving on before you get bored of my, um, pitch about the museum. So now we're going to kind of get into exercising the Dybbuk, right? Because we already said, you know, you can go seek out a miracle like Little Rabbi, which is the Baal Shem. Um, and I did say it wrong earlier. I apologize. But this is like Hasidic tradition. So a particularly powerful miracle working rabbi known as the Baal Shem, which is master of the name. That's what it means. Um, could expel even the most evil Dybbuk through a rite of exorcism. And let me just say, when they say evil, I don't really think it's human, just in my experience. It's not human. It, it's a malicious, evil spirit. And um, typically, people trap, if you look more into the Dybbuk, not trying to confuse you guys, but... If you look more into the Dybbuk boxes, it's trapped evil spirits. It's not human spirits. Humans aren't going to stick around on Earth. Period. You know, you either go to limbo, you go to heaven, you go to hell, or whatever space you believe in. Um, you don't really have the opportunity to stay here. What stays here is a... Uh, how, do I, how do I put it? It's kind of like an emotional stain on the Earth. If you go through something traumatic and you die traumatically or you're not ready to go, you leave like an emotional smudge on wherever you died, you know, that or somewhere important to you. 
and you can have your energy there, your past energy. Um, but other than that, most of what's on Earth is evil or um, bad entities. Um, you know, you may have some, like, maybe there's a slim chance, but eh, my experience, most of what I have seen and experienced has not been good. I've seen one white spirit as a child, and that was it. And it was the Indian girl in um, a family's home who was on the Trail of Tears. Anyway, enough about that. I promise I won't make this all about what I believe in, but I do want to give you my opinion because I am very experienced in that paranormal realm. Anyway, so they do like removals um, of the entities. Now, however, exorcisms of the Dybbuk today normally involves nine Jews plus the rabbi. So they like, they have to have extra help. Um, I don't know if it's because maybe they're not as powerful as before or the teachings have differed not really sure but now they have to have more people to help um and then you know dialoguing with it talking to it in an attempt to cause it to see that it needs to leave so i guess they kind of just you know take turns uh chanting or doing prayers so yes uh the group so like the nine jews and the rabbi pretty much surrounds the possessed victim, kind of what the Catholic priest does. Um, I'm not Catholic, but from what I know of the exorcisms, you have like you and maybe a couple other people and you make a circle or surround the person and you take turns doing your thing, trying to expel the spirit. Um, they do surround the victim, the possessed person, and repeatedly recite the comforting protective verses of Psalms 91. Now, the rabbi proceeds to blow a shofar, which is like a ram's horn trumpet, in a specific pattern. Now, this shocks both the possessed person and the dybbuk, causing a loosening between the two, which enables each entity to be addressed separately. So, supposedly, if that's kind of confusing for you, supposedly when they blow the horn in this specific pattern, it shakes the entity and the soul loose of each other so they're not stuck together you know it's not clinging on to the spirit of the person it shakes them loose enough to where they can address the dybbuk by itself so they can get just the dybbuk not trying to harm the other soul right um the group then proceeds to heal it through dialogue and prayer and this is also done for a person who is possessed so they do it for the dybbuk they do it for the person now, sometimes the legitimate needs of the Dybbuk must be satisfied before it agrees to leave. So it may be like, mm, I want this, this, and this, or I have to do this. And they're like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. Now, while many Jews today no longer accept the idea of Dybbuk's and their influence in some communities, especially, but not only, among Hasidic Jews, ceremonies to liberate people from the Dybbuk possessions are still performed but they're not, like, totally accepted anymore. That's an old idea. So let's get into the actual boxes, okay? Like, the actual Dybbuk boxes. 
So they were used in the Hebrew faith for thousands of years before people just started randomly making them. <laughs> um, but they were not something that was talked about publicly. Um, they really didn't discuss it. You know, it was just, it was known and that was it. So imagine a situation where a family or a home was infected with a malicious entity. Um, as I said before, the rabbi would come to your home, study it, and then determine the intervention which would seal the demon inside of the box. Yes, demon. Bad entities. Um, however, in Jewish faith, these Dybbuk boxes were never intended to be passed to another individual. Um, in fact, if your family had a Dybbuk box, it was like having an entity that had attached itself to your household. Now, a curse that could last generations. And so, the Dybbuk box and the existence of them were a secret among devoted Hebrew families. They hid the box and they protected it from being opened or damaged. Some people would bury these boxes, um, from what I gathered. The Jewish faith actually downplays demonology, um, but there are many examples within the historical religious texts that provide instructions on dealing with demonic manifestations or um, possessions. Now, demons in Hebrew texts are called shadim. Uh, the first shadim, of course, was Lilith. Um, in the Jewish mythology, a divic is actually a malicious spirit. It is believed to not be demonic, although I don't think that is correct. I could be wrong, but I don't think it is. Um, if you go, we're going to get into it, but if you go and read what this spirit does, it is of demonic, like, descent. Like, human spirits can haunt you, sure, you know, but only demonic forces can inflict harm or sickness or bad smells. We'll get into it. Anyway, um, pretty much, like I was saying, is not believed to be demonic, but the disenfranchised soul of a dead person. Now, Dybbuk's can possess people to accomplish a goal, such as revenge or in the act of bringing someone to justice for a horrific crime. Um, this is another reason why the Dibbit boxes were not always feared in the Hebrew faith, but respected. So, pretty much they didn't fuck with it. <laughs> it was in a box, and they put it in a corner or buried it somewhere. Nobody could find it. They didn't fuck with it. Like, it was that. Period. <laughs> now, the box itself, are they truly sealed? Eh, maybe. Now, assuming you believe that a malevolent spirit is trapped inside the Dybbuk box, this is, you know, we're going to go hypothetical here. How exactly do you prevent that spirit or demon from escaping the box? You know, we can imagine that the idea of having a Dybbuk box as part of your paranormal collection of lore may be appealing, just kind of like the Ouija boards. But probably less so if you think there is actually a possibility that that thing can get out and start causing real problems for you, your family, people around you. Um, you know. Now, one thing you will notice about Dybbuk boxes for sale and horse, oh, excuse me, historical write-ups about them is that they are always sealed with wax. But not just any kind of wax. It's ritual for sealing a Dybbuk box includes 
the rabbi, a priest, incantations, followed by, of course, the sealing of all possible exits of the box. Um, now, normally that's done by white wax. Now, as you may notice, if you go to eBay, Etsy, probably Facebook Market, online, that's not really a tradition people have uh, while they make these Dybbuk boxes for sale. <laughs> they are definitely, most definitely not sealed by a priest, a rabbi, Jews, of faith, anything like that. No. Don't do it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. That's all I have to say. Don't buy it. Now, white candles are known in lore and ancient religions for having a cleansing and purification power that repels negative energy and provides protection. All colors on the spectrum are derived from pure white light, which has the power of excuse me, consecration. I almost choked. <clears throat> now, white reflects no light and has virtually no ability to absorb energy. So white candles conduct less heat than other colors of wax, just an FYI. Um, therefore, if you believe the lore, the white wax acts as a barrier preventing the spirit or demon from leaving the box. Now, a lot of times I've seen red wax on these boxes or some other kind of thing. People make it look scary. It just aggravates me. It aggravates me people prey on this kind of stuff for money. Just, we're not going to get into it, but just know that it aggravates me. Okay? So, now you, now that you know why so many churches worldwide use white candles in, like, temples, churches, place of worships, whatever the faith may be, uh, for more than 2,000 years, white candles have been used in all faiths to repel evil and prevent demonic influence from harming the people of the congregation, the church, whatever you believe in. So, they are protection and, you know, like I said, you see a big box, you don't know what the heck that person put in there. Please don't buy it. I promise that's the last time I want to say it. But yeah. Now, can a big box influence you if it's not opened? You know, it's questionable. Now, of course, there are many fascinating stories about people who have purchased or inherited one of these boxes that may have been authentic. Again, it's not the box that is the problem. It is what is inside of the box, period. The thing inside the box is the problem. Now, the internet is full of spooky stories about people who have purchased a Dybbuk box only to have it arrive at their home with a crack due to damage in transit, which, burn it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, get rid of it. Give it to your neighbor that you don't like. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, damage in transit, which sucks. Now, those individuals share some really creepy paranormal experiences that were so disturbing, they either resealed the box or just sold it, gave it to somebody, buried it from away from their home, like far, far away, um, to protect themselves from the spirit inside the box, right? As one would. Now, some signs that people have reported around the Dybbuk boxes, you know, which may indicate the that it's a actual authentic Dybbuk box, 
which has an evil spirit inside. Okay, I'll tell you why. Evil spirits, demonic spirits, you have nasty smells, like I was saying earlier. Sometimes you'll smell kind of a smell of cat urine, almost, like uh, ammonia, like a rotting corpse, rotting eggs, sulfur, um, something nasty, you know, it's just gross. You would be like, oh my god, what the, what the fuck is that, you know? Now, of course, that also comes along with nightmares of demonic entities, the box or the box breaking open, unexplained scratches, burns, welts on the body of the owner or anyone who touches the box, unusual bad luck, feeling emotionally drained, or unusual feelings of anger toward those in a relationship with you or family or someone close. So. That is kind of what has been reported with people who have had these vivid boxes. If you don't want any of that, don't buy it. For real, that's the last time. But it is definitely something that you don't want to freaking mess with. And I don't know why people are always so interested. Now, if you're, you know, a paranormal investigator, you are well equipped in knowing what to do in these certain circumstances, but just randos buying these Dybbuk boxes, not a good idea, guys. I promise. It's not that intriguing. You're going to unleash something that you wish you would have never unleashed on yourself. So, just avoid it. Now, we're going to get into the Dybbuk box that Zach has at the museum. Uh, this is kind of like the story behind that and also... The inspiration for the 2012 horror film, The Possession. Alright guys, let's take a little break. Uh, go to the bathroom, get some snacks and a drink. Do whatever you gotta do. Uh, come back and we're gonna finish the episode. So, the Dybbuk box that Zach has um, is like a wine cabinet, and it's claimed to be haunted by a Dybbuk. Now, the box gained attention when it was auctioned off on eBay. Yes, eBay. Um, by the owner, Kevin Manus, who created a story featuring how he got it from a granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor who first bought the box in Spain after she escaped from the Nazi-occupied Poland. Now, like I said a second ago, it did inspire the film The Possession, which came out in 2012. Now, in 2021, Kevin came out saying, I made the entire thing up. Totally fake. I made the word up. I made everything up about it, etc., etc. Well, let me just say, Kevin, <laughs> you didn't know. Um, because, like we said in the beginning of our podcast, this whole Dybbuk entity belief has been around way before you were born. So you couldn't have came up with the word. You know, maybe the story, sure. But Zach done an investigation about that same Dybbuk box that he supposedly made up. And he caught some very interesting evidence. Um, if you guys have not watched it, Go watch the quarantine episode. They they mess with a lot of stuff. The Devil's Rocking Chair, which was exposed to an exorcism. Um, 
with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, I think they opened the dead big box and had some really horrible experiences, um, etc. Like, it's just crazy. You need to go watch it. It's on Discovery Plus, and they took all of the Ghost Adventure episode to Discovery Plus. It's like five bucks, guys. Five dollars. It's the same as a coffee. But you don't only get Travel Channel. You get, like, ID Channel. You get everything. If you're a true crime, you know, fanatic, you'll definitely enjoy the app. It's five bucks. Go get it if you can. It's pretty cool. Anyway, um, so, but is it really made up? That's the question. I don't really think it's made up. Um, after seeing the evidence, um, you know, after reading some of the stories people experience, I don't really think it's made up. Just like demonic energies aren't, you know, spirits aren't. I've experienced stuff, so I believe in the paranormal. Don't know if you do, and if you don't, it's cool. You don't have to. It's all about, you know, preference, I guess. So, according to him, though, the carving in the back of the box is his carving. The stone that was in the box is something that he made, and the name, the term, the idea is something he wrote about, made up, and posted it on eBay to get some money, pretty much. Now, after being sold off and passed around a few times, this is what all the other previous owners of the box listed when they resold it on eBay because they no longer wanted it after what they experienced. So, of course, the first and foremost, every single owner of this particular box had horrible reoccurring nightmares involving the old hag. Now, if you've never heard of the old hag, um, look it up because it doesn't just be, you know, it doesn't just happen from the Dybbuk box. People have a dream of this entity. Um, I couldn't even tell you how long. There's been a lot of paranormal episodes where I've watched and they had that, you know, the hag dream. Uh, look it up. It's pretty interesting. It may scare you a little bit, but if you're interested, look it up. Um, now, Kevin's mother had a stroke after receiving this box as a gift. We'll get into that in a minute. She had a stroke. She ended up passing away um, later Later on. She was older. Now, uh, other people had smells of cat urine, smells of jasmine. Their hair started falling out. Light bulbs would just randomly burst. Um, they had body hives. They were coughing up blood. Head-to-toe welts. Um, maybe some other stuff, but that's just what mainly is listed. Now, with the original owner, Kevin, going public in 2021, saying that he made everything up, though Kevin did buy the wine cabinet at a yard sale, um, it was from an attorney, not the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor, supposedly, right? Um, quote, the carving in the back of it is my carving. The stone that was in the box is something that is signature creation of mine also. Make no mistake, I conceived of the Dybbuk box, the name, the term, and the idea, and wrote this creative story around to post it on eBay, end quote. That's what Kevin said. Now, if that's true, eh, don't know. But all I know is that the evidence that came along with this box uh, is true. Now, of course, what about the other owners, you know? what I listed a second ago, all of their experiences, what is that? You know, is it fake? For, like, why would they make it up? You know what I mean? Now, especially Zach, Zach and his crew, um, when they did the lockdown in the museum, 
they collected EVPs. They saw shadow people. They saw a lot of stuff. Now, I say maybe it's not as fake as what it claims to be or what he claims it is, um, but we'll get into it here. So our story starts in 2003. Now, um, he was a writer and furniture refurnishing business owner, Kevin Manus. He purchased the cabinet from a yard sale in Portland, Oregon from a granddaughter of a deceased Holocaust survivor named Havila. As he paid for the cabinet, the granddaughter said, quote, I see about the Divic box, end quote. Kevin wasn't familiar with the term. Uh, the granddaughter told him her grandmother always kept it shut out of reach because there was a Dybbuk or evil spirit inside or attached to the box. The seller allegedly told him it was never to be opened and if it was, bad things would happen. Of course, he didn't listen. Now, Kevin, who was in his mid-30s at the time, took the box back to a shop with plans to restore it. He wanted to give his mother the box for her birthday. Now, pause. What kind of son says, oh, you have a demon box? You know what? That'd make a good birthday gift for my mom. Do you hate your mom secretly? Is that what's going on? Because if someone told me, oh, there's a demon inside this box, don't ever open it. What makes you think it's a, what? Who does that? Who does that, first off? What the heck? Like, that's crazy. Anyway, after opening the cabinet, okay, he found a series of strange objects inside. So he found two U.S. wheat pennies dating to like 1925 to 1928, two locks of hair, one blonde, one black and brown, both bound by a string, a dried rosebud, a four-legged candlestick, which um, from what I could find, it was octopus legs. So four octopus leg candlestick, right? Um, a golden wine cup and a granite sculpture inscribed with the Hebrew word shalom. Now, the Shema, a prayer considered to be one of the most important in Judaism, was carved on the back of the cabinet. So they sealed this dang thing up and he just opened it because he wants to give it to his mom for his birthday. I can't with people. His mother's birthday rolls around. He was like, here's this box, mom. Happy birthday, right? Now, guess what? Her birthday was on Halloween. Her name was Ida, okay? In 2012 interview on the TV series Paranormal Witness, Ida describes the feeling of a cold breeze from the box as soon as she opened it and then experiencing pure evil coming out. She says she immediately had a stroke. So he gave her the box, probably left, walked away, whatever. She had a freaking stroke as soon as she opened it. Like, coincidence? I think not. Now, over the course of two years, a number of other mysterious events happened to Kevin and his family. Now, his sister got creeped out by the cabinet because the doors kept opening on their own his brother and his sister-in-law complained of odd smells coming out of the box like cat urine or jasmine. Him and his siblings suffered from the same reoccurring nightmares of the hag. Um, it turns out Kevin's girlfriend had the same dream when he gave her the box. I'm like, what you, really man? Come on now. He also began seeing shadow creatures in his home as did any visitors or some visitors. Um, he put the box in the storage unit outside and was soon alerted by a smoke alarm in the unit. Guess what? That bitch burned down. Okay. 
Now, when he investigated, there was no smoke, but there was the smell of cat urine, which at some point also came into the house. Um, I'm lying. I don't think it burned down, but <laughs> it was just me being snarky. Anyway, he took it into the house, began searching the internet for information about the box. He fell asleep, had a nightmare, woke up around 4.30 to a feeling of someone breathing on his neck and the smell of jasmine flowers. He again saw the shadow figure lurking down the hall. Now, this is a quote about the nightmare from Kevin. So, quote, I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I'm with. It is then that I realize there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I've ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me, end quote. And guys, I'm sorry, I got a new Apple Watch. Um, it keeps dinging. I don't know how to make it silent. So, sorry about that if you hear little random dings throughout the episode. I will figure it out next time, I swear. Um, now, that was his quote about the dreams that he was having, right? Now, the most disturbing, weird thing was, he says his br the brother of the store employee, right, died by suicide shortly after visiting the shop and knocking the cabinet off the shelf. So, when I said death, I mean literal death, whether you die of some random cause or you kill yourself. Like, and it's not funny... I'm just like, he disrespected the box, and they were like, you know what? We got something for you, okay? That's, that's just what I believe. It could have been, you know, coincidence. He could have been depressed or something, but it's awful funny that he knocked the thing off, and he, you know, is no longer here. Um, a couple of years later, the worker also took his own life. Uh, Kevin at one point tried to give the box to his girlfriend, which I made a snarky comment about earlier, but after keeping it, she was like, take the shit back. I don't want it. This is, no. No, thank you. Not today, Satan. Right? Uh, first off, uh, Kevin, you're a butt, man. Cause, like, who does that? <laughs> ah, I don't want to get sued, but, like, oh my god. Nobody in their right mind is going to buy a demonic box whether you make it up or not. Because if you believe in something big enough, you can create your own demonic entities. Hope you people know that. Uh, if you have negative energy, you can create a poltergeist. Um, yeah, that's a whole other episode I can get into if you guys wanted to. But I'm just saying, you create your own energy and you making this up and making everybody believe it. If they believe it long enough and hard enough. Things can happen. You can make your own crap. So, to give it to his, to his mom, and then give it to his girlfriend, I'm just like, where's your, where's your sense of, like, conscience? <laughs> anyway, so, of course, you know, by this point, after everything that they experienced, he was kind of done with the box and um, put it up for sale on eBay. So, listing it on eBay in 2003, Kevin, you know, who had a, a writing background, advertising entertainment background, you know, he says he made it up, whatever. He wrote a very long and detailed 
description about the box and he named it the Dibboot box. So his eBay listing details how he got it, what happened to him and his family after he got it, and why he wants to get rid of it. Now towards the description he writes, help me. Now finally in 2003 in June, he sold it to a University of Missouri student named, God help me on this name, uh, Losef Netsky. I really hope I got your name right. I'm sorry. Um, which he then put it back on sale on eBay eight months later, because I guess, you know, he suffered some stuff. Uh, from what I could find, they had severe insomnia and illness in the presence of this box. So... Could it be the hag dreams that were causing the insomnia? Shadows? Nobody knows. Don't know. Hair falling out, maybe? Um, not sure. He was able to sell it for about 280 bucks to Jason Haxton, um, who had heard about it from a student who was also one of Losif's um, roommates. There we go. Um, since then, the Dibbuk box has captured the popular imagination, becoming like an internet legend, pretty much. Um, and you can literally buy Dibbuk boxes all shapes, sizes on Etsy, eBay, and a website specifically dedicated to them, the Dibbuk box store. Please don't buy it. I'm not representing you buying the boxes, okay? Period. That's it. Now, you can even watch people open Dibbuk boxes on YouTube. Which I must say, I have done that. I have watched some people open them. Um, of course, I protected myself. Um, prayer, you know, whatever. Because I do believe that ent entities or spirits can travel through electronical waves. Um, so if you watch Ghost Adventures, you'll notice they use radio communication sometimes, especially during quarantine or COVID. Um, Zach wasn't able to be on location, so he would literally speak through a radio and they would get hyperactive, like, evidence of EVPs and all kinds of stuff. Like, it almost is kind of like an energy well for him. Anyway, um, now, Jason claims to have experienced paranormal activity in the presence of the box. Though, he states that it has, like, an anti-aging effect on him. I don't know how the heck, whatever. He's the only one that I've heard about that. Now, he claims that he experienced the welts, hives. Uh, when he first had the box, he experienced coughing up blood and choking. Um, he says touching it almost puts it into like a liquid state. I don't really know what he means by that. Um, he relates that while he's had the box, he saw like strange lights and shadows. Nevertheless, he has taken a rather intelligent and academic approach to understanding the box. Now, he has enlisted the help of scientists, paranormalists, uh, Kabbalists, and Wiccans to put the box into a more manageable state so he can keep it. He believes that the force contained inside the cabinet is neutral but plays off of who comes in contact with it. I don't believe that. Its ultimate goal is to understand and reveal the truth, and that is what seeking the right owner is, you know, to help it kind of thing. So, it affects people. What he's saying is like, 
it's searching for an owner to help it. Of course it is, because it wants your soul. Anyway, <laughs> for a time, he kept the box in a secure um, little, like, wood arc. Um, now, let me describe it to you. So, it's kind of weird. So, in an echinacea, I can never say that, echinacea? Wood arc lined with 24 karat gold and stashed it into his den to keep it subdued. However, more recently, he's admitted that he ended up putting it into a military-grade shockproof container buried somewhere where it is well hidden and no one can discover it. Obviously, something is inside the box that is really, really powerful and dark. Right? I mean, that's the only conclusion that I can come to. You're putting this thing in a freaking military-grade shockproof container, burying it somewhere. Obviously, something is wrong with it, right? Yeah. Well, in 2011, he released a book about the box. The director of the Museum of Estopatic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, he had studied American antiques and ancient artifacts for like decades and was pretty much just fascinated by the mysterious wine cabinet. Like, he just took an interest in it, so he didn't want to let it go. Now, in his book, he detailed what he experienced, which was everything from bleeding eyeballs. Okay, you know how people cry blood sometimes um, in like some of the paranormal stories or religious things like that's what he was experiencing like blood tears I guess um to like random choking attacks to reoccurring dreams of the hag and that was just in the first few months of buying this box <laughs> I couldn't imagine owning this box for a few months anyway uh, Jason also launched a website that combined the claims about the cabinet called DibbickBox.com, and it is spelled with an I, not a Y. Um, if you go there, you can read, I guess, like, stories about people having the Dibbick boxes. I don't think he sells anything on there, so you should be good. It is still up. Now, the claims um, that were reportedly received they were like hundreds to thousands okay um and that is what had created the internet legend right title so now in 2012 there was three movies about the dibbick box um the possession produced by filmmaker sam rimey um that was like the most like prominent one now, both Kevin and Jason were production consultants on the film, um, which is, I mean, I kind of get it, but it's also like, I don't know, weird. Anyway, in a, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Entertainment Weekly article published um, around the time of the movie's release, director Ole Bornell, Bornell, you're going to have to forgive me on these names. People's names are kind of weird. Anyway, um, they claimed that there was, like, really weird things happening during production of the movie. He describes standing underneath a unlit neon light, like, uh, kind of like, you know, the lights at the, like, uh, liquor store? 
those little tube lights i think that's what he's talking about um it pretty much exploded uh and says that he also says five days later after shooting wrapped all of the props from the film were destroyed in a mysterious fire yeah so owning the box you know is misery pretty much uh or even just you know replaying i guess what happened or making props of the box can cause things who knows ghost stuff is weird now jason later gave the cabinet to ghost avengers star zag Bagans to display in his museum which he still has today in the museum uh now which in september 2018 zach and rapper post malone they actually this was like the um quarantine episode that i was talking about earlier post malone came him and zach were like doing an investigation and they were it was the same dip box that we were talking about today the wine cabinet by Ke from kevin um and then came from you know um jason later anyway that same cabinet post malone and zach investigated in 2018 um i must say the episode is crazy you should watch it anyway while they were doing an evp session um there was a a creepy or whatever voice um that says kevin now whether it's referencing kevin manis or the reporter i think for the episode because i think it was like a they had like a special where this reporter named Kevin went into the museum with Zach and like he showed him all this stuff. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Manus though. Uh, and then it also says evil. Um, then they heard a child's voice, which no thank you. Um, <laughs> the show captured on camera what Zach and his crew claimed was a figure that manifested, excuse me, manifested inside the box. So not only did they hear creepy crap they saw creepy stuff um they saw shadows and entities like just no no thank you um according to zach though he touched the box and was like visibly freaked out like i guess like zach touched it and was like oh my god like i don't know what happened but he just freaked out so post malone tried to like comfort him because you know like post he's nice and he like touched his shoulder and all of a sudden like it triggered bad luck for Post Malone. Literally. I'm not even kidding. So, what bad luck you may say? Um, well, let me say, two months after filming the show, Post Malone was involved in an emergency landing after his private jet's wheels were damaged in flight, first off. One month later, he was in a high-speed car crash. Um, he was also the target of a home invasion where armed intruders broke into the house that he that used to belong to him, okay? And during a recent interview on the late night show with Seth Meyers, the the um, rapper, of course, Post Malone, um, pretty much just gave a spill about the experience, right? So he said, quote, after going hunting with Zach and everything and all of the stuff that we stayed in his museum in Vegas, I love you, Zach, text me. It's weird because after we opened this creepy Dybbuk box, I got into a car accident. I almost had a plane wreck, my house got broken into, and all that type of stuff. But it, which he was referring to the events, was just within a month's time. It was really odd stuff. I've always had, like, you know, an interest in that and experiences at my friend's house, end quote. 
Now, on the episode Ghost Adventures Quarantine, Kevin told another part of his um, ongoing ghost story, right? He had given Zach a second, smaller Dybbuk box on the show, said that there were a total of 10 boxes hidden around the world. He then explained that Havila, which was that Holocaust survivor, you know, go, go back if you don't remember. It's the granddaughter he bought it from, blah, blah, blah. Now, along with a few other Jewish women, including someone named Sophie, summoned an evil spirit to help fight the Jew or excuse me, to help the Jews fight against the Nazis during the Holocaust. Uh, but they couldn't control it, and that's how the Dybbuk box started. Eh, I don't believe that. It's not how it started because it's been there for thousands of years because it's an ancient evil thing. Anyway, um, now the same spirit Havila believed caused some of the 20th century's greatest disasters supposedly including the korean war now knowing what they had done was wrong havila eventually captured the dybbuk and separated it into 10 boxes if those boxes are ever brought together evil will be unleashed the likes of which the world has never seen that's what he claims now zach now has two of them while kevin had six now the last two kevin claimed were yet to be found who knows? Who knows? But that's just what he says. Now, after Kevin was like, yo, I made this up. It's fake. Zach had kind of avoided the, the claims for a little bit. But eventually he did speak out about that. So Zach pretty much said, quote, Since owning the Dybbuk box, there have been countless documented experience people have had with it, including himself. Um, now he said, quote, Not just from myself, but my museum staff, fellow crew members, visitors, and most notably, Post Malone, end quote. Now he also claims that multiple guests have been severely affected in the Dybbuk box room in his museum. Some of them had to literally be put on a stretcher by EMT personnel and taken to the hospital. Okay? <laughs> Period. It's evil. Period. <laughs> okay? Now, he also said, quote, I don't believe this to be the full truth. End quote. He writes in response to what Kevin told a reporter about making the story up. He also cites some of the things that have been fallen Kevin in the past week, which Kevin also shared with him. So, I'm assuming what that means is Kevin was still having some bad experiences, um, and he was telling Zach about it. Who knows? I don't know. That's just my idea. Now, another thing he said was, quote, I think there is so much more to the Dybbuk box, and regardless of its origin, it is very much cursed and evil. I am not surprised that more controversy and conflict keep arising from it. The Dybbuk box has always raised questions and intrigue, and this adds to its narrative." End quote. Now, some of the evidence from that episode was kind of cool. Um, I'm going to kind of give you some quotes of what Zach said he saw. So, he said, quote, The scariest moment for me is what I saw and felt, and that's when he was opening the box. He also said, we captured on camera an unbelievable mist coming out of the box that manifested eyes. He also believes he saw the entity, quote, crouching down towards the wall behind the box. If that ain't spooky enough for you to watch the episode, I don't know what is. <laughs> okay, he didn't say that. That's me. 
Um, now, of course, there was EVPs, shadow figures, etc. Go to Discovery Plus, guys. It's like four to five bucks. Not that freaking expensive. Um, I know a lot of people pitched a horrible fit about them moving over to Discovery Plus. But you don't just get Travel Channel. That's what I'm saying. You get, like, ID Channel. You get a lot of true crime stuff. Like, it's a good app. Not gonna lie. Five dollars? you kidding me? I spend that much on freaking Starbucks every day. Come on. Five dollars. I literally have the lowest grade of Hulu. No live TV, right? We have Netflix for two dollars. And we have freaking Discovery Plus for, like, five bucks. Like, I spend less than like 20 bucks on freaking TV you can do it if you want to um now I want to kind of go back to the possession movie I kind of want to get into what happened during that so um the things that happened on set I kind of described a little earlier but I want to give you a bit more detail so some of the weird things that happened on the set of the possession movie in 2012 the lights exploded for no reason there were cold air drafts um, on close sets like people just felt those random cold spots um, the scariest incident occurred when the storage facility oh you know what I was right <laughs> all the props burnt down to the ground the whole entire facility storage warehouse it burned down when they put that in there anyway um, an investigation into the blaze confirmed that it could not be blamed on arson or electrical fault. So, what the heck caused the fire? Um, to this day, it is undetermined by investigators. Coincidence, I think not. Um, now, it is worth noting, though, that the Divic box used in the movie was destroyed in the fire. Okay. The cast and crew later refused to allow the movie producers to replace the Divic box for fear it was cursed. They were like, hell no. <laughs> we are not fucking with that, pretty much. Period. <laughs> like, they're done with it. Um, now, are you considering buying one? Okay, I've said a million times throughout this entire episode, please don't fuck with it. Don't fuck with it, right? Don't mess with it. Like, ah, leave it be, okay? Unless you want to have your life tore apart, don't do it. And don't do freaking Ouija boards unless you are a professional and know how to handle the consequences of your actions. Because there will be consequences of those actions. Just because it's there does not mean you have to play with it. Okay? Period. Just, just don't do it. Now... You should never buy anything, okay, that has an attachment unless you are a paranormal expert or experienced in handling dark and malicious entities and if you do not have a strong faith in some type of protection for religion. Um, I'm not trying to push religion, you know, on people, but due to my previous experience with the dark side of the paranormal and paranormal in general, having certain gifts that make me more susceptible to darker entities or spirits in general, um, it kind of brought me to faith real quick. Um, because your girl did the Ouija board when she was, you know, obsessed with Charmed. That shit did not turn out well. I'm telling you out of experience, don't do it. 
Now, now, of course, of course, you know, do whatever you want to, but just know I told you so, okay? I don't want to have emails being like, oh, Nicole, you told me not to do it, but I did it anyway, and next thing you know, I have a demon in my house. Well, you know what? I told you so. Now you're going to have to go through all this crap. <laughs> like, it's just not worth it. Um, anyway, so there's the Post Malone interview in 2021 about his experience with Zach in the box um, with Seth Meyers. I will post the link um, on the Facebook group if you want to go join it. We're up to 1.1k followers. Yahoo! So thanks for joining us. Uh, we have about, I think, 120 on Instagram. Um, share, like with your friends. Make sure you share the groups, the Instagram, you know, that kind of stuff. Instagram is mainly where I post photos of uh, stuff related to our case. So I have posts of the Dibbig box, the the same one from the episode, mind you. Um, Zach and Posty doing their investigation. Zach opening the box. I got all that stuff posted. So make sure you go check it out. The YouTube link I'll post on Instagram um, and Facebook. Ida's interview about her stroke and experience. I will also post. Um, I believe that is from a, what was it? Like a show called, or like an episode of The Home of Horror or something. I don't know. Um, I think, oh, excuse me. It was Paranormal Witness Season 2, Episode 4, I believe, also. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff made about the Dibby Box. I'm going to post the links that I got. And, um, yeah, stay spooky, my friends. Happy October. It's all, you know, we got a few weeks till Halloween. I want to know what everybody is dressing up and doing. Um, please stay safe on Halloween. People are getting crazy and murdering people everywhere. Not to be dramatic, but every time I open my phone on the news, there's like, oh, a shooting, a kidnapping. Some family in California just got kidnapped the other day and was found dead, okay? Um, they had an eight-month-old involved in that as well. Like, don't know anything about it yet, but shit's been happening. So keep yourself and your family safe and join me, you know, in a week or two for a new episode. Stay safe, guys. Well, guys, that's all for today's episode. Make sure you tune in bi-weekly. We are every other Monday for another riveting case where I will traumatize you more than you probably already are. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out the Instagram at morbid period curiosity period TC podcast for photos related to each case that I cover. Feel free to send me spooky, crazy stories or case suggestions at morbidcuriositytcpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Pod or whatever you're listening to us on. Um, I do appreciate all you spooky listeners. Please stay kind, stay spooky, and for the love of God, don't murder anyone. <laughs>